0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. My name is Robbie, and with me today is the incomparable Jay Williams. How you doing,
1: Jay? I'm doing great. I, I wonder what that actually sounds like. Do you think that had energy to it? Well,
0: My voice seldom has a lot of energy to it, so I didn't say I'm a guessing lot. No.
1: I said some. Some energy. Said some. Hey uh, everybody! Hey everybody! Uh, so, man, it's good to have you back. You are in... In the house. I'm in the the studio. In the studio. This is not. This is not a drill, people. No. Robbie Helene is with me in the studio. I'm looking at his face, not just hearing his voice. Speaking of face, with all due respect, what happened to yours? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, you see, I thought
1: you would like that. My parents weren't attractive people, (laughs) and so. No, you you. I'm looking. You got a shiner, um,
0: man. You look like you should have a steak on so, your eye right so now. So yeah,
1: I go to I go to pick up Robbie this morning, like uh, like we're in high school, and because <laughs> uh, he's staying, you know, here visiting because you're speaking at the men's he's conference. This like weekend. we're in high school. So, I'm right, staying at your dad's house. Right. Exactly. And so I went to pick you up, and Stacy, your lovely wife, greets me with, <laughs> "What happened to your face?" What. <laughs> so, what do you mean? Again, I'm thinking, I mean, my parents were, I think they were okay. Like they weren't.
0: Well, what um, happened means clearly like right. something in between, something in new. the meantime. Right, right. this is so not this is like, right. right.
1: Well, you have to, this is what happens in my brain. I have okay. to think through. As okay. I pointed out on Sunday, I hear voices evidently. Like I don't, I there's competing voices in my head. And the one that's thinking like, what do you mean? It's something out of the ordinary. And so she said I had a black eye. And I thought, no. I said, well, it's probably just I'm standing in the shadows here, you know, because I was in that entryway. I, there's no way. And so I stepped out and she's like, mm, no, that looks like. And then I forgot about it. And then I get into the office. And was it Jeff or Kristoff? One of them said, what happened to your eye? You have like a yeah. black eye. And I, I said, they s- said, like, yeah, go look at it. So I went and looked. And sure enough, I have a black eye. Yeah. And Jeff said he noticed it forming. On Sunday or yesterday. Oh, wow. Yesterday. He said he saw it was forming yesterday. So here's what's crazy about it. I started thinking, like, am I Edward Norton Jr., the third, whatever? Is this Fight Club? Like, am I uh, blacking out yeah. and having, like, these <laughs> fights? <laughs> am I punching myself <laughs> in the face? And the, and I don't I, – I went sitting there thinking, I have no idea. And then as I was walking away, I thought, I all of a sudden had this flash of a memory, of I do remember clunking myself in the eye with something. <laughs> I can't remember what. I don't even. I barely remember where. But I remember that I hit myself in the face and thought, you "Doofus!" Like, "Ow, that actually really hurt." But then I got over it, you know, yeah. and didn't think about it again. And so it's so distant in my memory. I can't remember what it was. Like it was something in my house. Something that that. Struck
0: right. your face yeah. with such force that it it gave you a shiner.
1: Yeah, and you don't remember. I don't remember what it was. Fascinating. I, like there did was. Did you hit yourself so hard that you have <laughs> somehow? Well, I mean, I don't remember how I dir- got here. So is that oh. is that something? No, I. That's the last thing I remember. Actually, now you think about it. Now you mention it. Um, no, I. I think it was like it may. Be, I don't even want to. I don't even want to guess, but I was watching college basketball this weekend. Yeah. So it may have been enthusiasm. Like the remote control. It could have been my <laughs> laptop. It could have been like there's lots of things. Your laptop. I don't know. Do you regularly hit yourself in the face with your laptop? I wouldn't say regularly. I mean, on occasion. Okay. I don't. I don't know. So anyway, That's I have a wild. black eye. I took a picture of it and I sent it to my wife, and uh, she has not responded. I wouldn't know
0: that if were I not sitting in the recording studio with you right now in person which i'd just like to circle back to how excited i am that this is happening it's happening
1: it's happening right now it didn't send oh no it's a good picture of me though yeah that is good you should make so, like, your new church profile picture to be better not yet.
0: <laughs> looks a little angry and he's got a <laughs> black eye
1: <laughs> this is what's come like being a pastor us. no I should, come, this is what, should be my seminary teaching headshot there you go like Applied theology. This is what it looks like. <laughs> Applying theology <laughs> is rough. It is. It is rough. So speaking of, I had to apply some theology this past weekend. Yeah, you did. Um, and you were gracious enough to listen to the sermon so you could be on the podcast. Also, because I appreciate your teaching. Sure. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, I don't, I don't feel like if you had listened to the sermon, you would know that your sarcasm is not appreciated right now. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So what do we talk about here? You haven't done this for a while. This is. I have I'm, I'm a little rusty. You are a little. You are I a little you, rusty. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm I carrying all this? the weight here. <laughs> this thing, You're used to that. This is not. It's like, the, it's like riding a bicycle. We'll settle right back
0: in. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I had a joke that popped into my head that I'm not saying.
0: I appreciate that. So, so, uh, responsible Jay in your head won again.
1: It, it, responsible Jay did win. Yes. Right. That's yeah.
0: That's right. I love I, my, my favorite thing about responsible Jay is once he, once tiny responsible Jay in your head has the impression that he is victorious, he seems to let his guard does, down like, almost e- immediately. That's exactly what happens. Because he's like, oh, good. I, yeah. I wrestled irresponsible yep. Jay. Uh, into submission, and so now I'm gonna let him go, at which point he immediately jumps up and says, what I was about to say was.
1: Yeah, yeah what I was about to say but it didn't say was this thing that I just now said. And right. you are 100% right. If you have ever seen the YouTube videos where people, who, like compilation of people who celebrated too soon? It's amazing. It's like the marathon runner that's like, you know, dancing and then a guy flies by right. him or he trips and falls and then gets third place or the like all those types of things. The guy that is about to score a touchdown and celebrate and then he gets like, he fumbles it. Like that's your internal filter. My internal filter celebrates way too early. And the other <laughs> Good guy thing is I just like, I kept him doesn't from me.
0: saying this. Yeah.
1: Right. And the and and the other voice in there is relentless and is just. None, he does not relent no so um so yeah so that was all from me just stopping myself there and well this is the other strategy then is then i forget what i was going to say that's the only hope really that responsible oh. jay has okay. is that other jay gets so distracted punches by something responsible jay in the eye so that he right. forgets right he forgets <laughs> the everything about it. Thing so, he was going to say um so Anyway, I did let people in on that this past Sunday that that goes on. Yes. And I don't know how that went over, but um, people- I mean, the good news is I feel like Responsible J had the mic for the vast majority of that sermon. That yes. was- Yeah, Responsible J definitely. Well, Responsible J typically has the <laughs> for the majority of the sermon, like usually- <laughs> even irresponsible Jay is kind of on his best behavior <laughs> he is there, he so. knows that's when he's supposed to he's like all right I'll just cool as jets yeah but um but yeah I did I did let people in on that that there are those moments where something pops in my head and I think oh that would be funny and then the other one's like mm, no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not not now not here um so anyway that's not what we were talking about with the sermon so I got to talk about divorce and oaths which is a fun combination, which I don't know if you've ever combined. The, like, I mean, Jesus combines them. or he, I mean, he, he Yeah, there's them.
0: there's definitely precedents for combining those, uh, e.g. Jesus, which I feel like is a solid precedent
1: to Yeah, it follow. is interesting. I've wondered before, is there a train? Like, I like to make connections, but then that means I also have to be careful of like, yeah. over-connecting things because sometimes things aren't connected. I mean, just in a regular conversation, we right. can talk about one thing and then... It can lead to something else, but it doesn't, not because they're connected. It could be any yeah. thread. And so it is interesting that Jesus goes from anger to lust, which those two feel very like emotional. You know, th- these are these emotions that right. come out. Um, right. But then the lust car- carries to adultery, which carries over to divorce. So there's a connection there um adultery is the connection between lust and divorce Yeah. and then there is the oaths like the the vows um that are con- the connection then between divorce and oaths and then so there are these uh little connections and I've always wondered I've always wondered you know if Jesus is like is this a you know if if people have watched the chosen on the the sermon on the mount and he's like writing out the where basically Matthew is writing out the sermon for him. He's practicing it, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus thought through, here are the things I want to say, or if it was more of a, you know, more of a spontaneous teaching or anything, and it doesn't really matter um, in the end. It doesn't, and it doesn't, and I don't think one of those is, like, more
0: holy. Like, we can kind of default to, like, well, no, if Jesus practiced something that he was going to say, that would make him— less of a less deity and it's like that that's that's total nonsense like he was fully human and um that doesn't mean that he like misspoke but i think part of i mean part of being human is in order to prevent myself from misspeaking i actually think ahead of time about what i'm going to say so i don't think yeah i think we can we can add confusion by assuming he had no plan and no intentionality in why he communicated these things together. I think he had way more of a plan and way more intentionality than anyone else ever. And I think, I mean, it's the downside, honestly, of, uh, you know, there, you're, there's a sacrifice in in every choice, right? And we can, those of us who love a good expository sermon and and walking through a book, of which I am one, right? So I love preaching like a sermon series that just preaches through a book. I think that's really beneficial and helpful. Um, The downside of that is we can extract things from the flow that the original speaker or author had. Like the Sermon on the Mount was one single sermon. And, you know, it's helpful for us to be able to take time and go through that and take time to unpack those things. Right. But not only do I not think that it's wrong to assume that, you know, maybe there is a flow... I think we have to assume there was a flow. This was one single sermon right. and and he preached it all in one at one time. Um, and well, yeah, I think the the deep dive is can be helpful, but I think sometimes in order for it to be helpful, I think we should read the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety regularly. like every week prepare myself for the upcoming sermon where we're talking about a portion of it by reading all of it so that I'm actually getting I'm hearing that portion in its context surrounded by all the other things like this wasn't 12 different sermons that he preached it was one
1: yeah and I feel the same way about the epistles you know that yeah. that we read break one them sitting. down and they they're just read in one sitting it's a it's a letter you know and um and I think that that gives you an appreciation for some of the big picture ideas I mean if you think about if someone took one of our sermons and broke it into six six different sermons. I mean, there's a sense in which that could be helpful, and yeah. that like, okay, we're gonna do a deeper dive and you and more illustrations about this section and and talk more about that. But then there's a way in which you would lose some of the meaning, right? Because you're the whole reason that we took the time to make this point is so that we could make this like. That's how right. these tie together, That's and right. we make this point down here. So, so I think that def- definitely lends itself to making sure it's just a good reminder. You saying that is a good reminder that as we read scripture, we need to do both. We need we need to read big chunks, yeah, and um, and then also do some deep dives and and meditate on a particular verse or in a particular little section. Yeah. But always in this context of okay, what's the context around it and why, and that will help you know shed light on it. It's it's interesting how often people struggle with a particular verse or a particular passage, and how often that is addressed just by zooming out and reading, reading it in the context of its chapter or a few chapters. It starts to make sense of oh okay, so this is why, you know, Paul's talking about this right now. Um, one of those examples was how often we um you know when we talk about divorce one of the things that struck me about this as, as I was preparing it is how often we buy into the idea as Christians that well the Bible says there are two reasons for divorce right right there's unfaithful like you know sexual immorality unfaithfulness and then if you are married to a non-believer and they seek a divorce and it I've communicated it that way and one of the things that I it was just that struck me this time was just realizing that's such a weird way of looking at it right for so many reasons so many reasons yeah um, not the least of which is this idea that Jesus doesn't ever mention the non-believer clause, so to speak of our of our Christian law that we've created that's Paul later and Paul does it kind of adding to or extrapolating from what Jesus had said but we when we just say like hey these are the two reasons well then what we what we are saying is that Paul said well Jesus said this like sexual immorality but he forgot one here's the other one the other one is if you're a non-believer if you're married to a non-believer and they want to divorce and that's not what he's doing. He's taking the heart of what Jesus has said, and he's now applying it to the specific situation that they're dealing with. And right. so that was something. Usually, we talk about what was cut out of the sermon. I, I alluded to it a little bit, but I cut out the idea of, um, you know, really diving into that idea that that we we then look at it as these laws. And what ends up happening is we fall into one of two ditches. Either you fall into the ditch of saying, well if there is, for example, adultery in my marriage, then I should get a divorce and turning that into a right. law, which is not at all what Jesus is saying.
0: No. That is the opposite,
1: um, I would argue, of what Jesus is saying. Right.
0: I, I am of the wildly unpopular opinion that neither one of those things are giving you the green light for divorce. And yes. Then, I, I think one of them is Jesus saying, if you are abandoned, Don't don't fear. Right. Not... Hey, if you believer, if your spouse is an unbeliever, you are free to abandon them. No, it says if you are abandoned by your unbelieving spouse, right, don't fear. So that's not actually communicating an out for me. And I don't know if you f- would find it fruitful to go into why I don't believe the other one is, is an out either. So the two thi- we focus on these being the two excuses why it's okay for me to divorce and I don't believe either one of them is doing that. And even more importantly, it totally misses, as as you articulate on Sunday, it totally misses the point of what Jesus is is why he's saying why he's even saying these things
1: in the first place, and what marriage is supposed to ultimately be. Well, yeah. Why don't you go into that? Why do you why do would you say that with adultery? Why do you think that that's not a green light? Because what Jesus says is
0: if you if you divorce your wife, except on grounds of sexual immorality, you make her an adulterer. Because if it's on grounds of sexual immorality, she has made herself an adulterer. So what Jesus is saying is, functionally, there is no divorce that does not end in adultery. The only difference is either your spouse committed the adultery or you are making them commit adultery by divorcing them Not if they committed adultery, it's totally okay to abandon them, and that's why you're (laughs) thankful that I didn't preach on Sunday and that you did because you did a phenomenal job and probably got way less hate mail.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did. I uh, well, that's a whole other conversation, but well, I but I would say though, even as you're saying that, I would say, well, still. If you're saying it still ends in divorce, then that would still be if there's adultery. So what would you say then to somebody that says, okay, well, my spouse was unfaithful. So, and, and understandably is angry and bitter and hurt. And so probably even in their flesh desires divorce, like just thinks this would be easier to just end this and I'm giving that out. Like Jesus says it's okay in this situation, so he says it's okay, and this is what I want, so therefore i'm I'm justified in it. yeah, and
0: that's when I would communicate. I don't think what Jesus is communicating is it's okay if they commit adultery. What he's communicating is one either either they are the ones who chose to commit adultery or you are the one who was choosing to make them an adulteress or an adulterer by your decision, but that not saying. Hey, if they do this one particular sin, then it's totally okay for you to, yeah, divorce them. Because then, I mean, he he adds like the really really difficult addition of and anyone who marries yeah a divorced woman commits adultery. Like that's 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 a hard word, and 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 I don't say that lightly, and it's not something that I just yeah. like wantonly drop in a counseling session. But it's something that we have to wrestle with. And not just say, "Well, obviously, he doesn't mean exactly what he's saying, so we have to figure out how to soften that. Um, I mean, we have to do what you did on Sunday, which is zoom out and say, Well, well, what is the context in which Jesus understands marriage? What is the context in yeah. which the the entire New Testament understands marriage?" And so if you go to Ephesians five and you see Paul articulating it, he says, this is a picture of the gospel. So what does what does the father do with his constantly adulterous people? With me, his adulterous son who is constantly chasing after other things. Like he pursues and secures. He even calls one of his prophets to marry someone who he knows is going to right. constantly cheat on him right. to demonstrate this is what the gospel looks like. It is, it is loving someone who is who is taking the very gifts that you give them to lure in other lovers. Like it's this very graphic picture, but it's supposed to be pointing to this is the extraordinary way that God loves us. Yeah. And so anytime we're we're considering divorce, we have to acknowledge the question that we're asking is, like, is this worth is what is happening right here yeah. worth distorting the picture of the gospel to the people who are watching this happen? And and I was I appreciated that you brought up, and there are sometimes, like, if, if a spouse is in danger, like, there are times when that's a legitimate question to ask. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of the time, it's really coming down to, this is more work than I wanted. This is, you know, I, you, you brought up the, you know, this isn't the person that I married, which is true of literally every Everybody. person who has ever gotten married. If yeah. you are the same person that you were when you were 18 or 20 or 25 or whatever, that's actually a problem. Like, right. hopefully you yeah. have progressed. You have, you're not the same person yeah. you were when you were a, a child. Um, like, so that's everyone. Um, like we've got to be able to zoom out and say, but what, what is the potential, um, gospel damage that is that is done in this because our lives our marriages are so much bigger than just our own contentment
1: right yeah and i so yeah i did try to to walk that well not really even walk a line i i want to i want to call people always to trust just to trust jesus I mean, I know it sounds so simple, but just to say, okay, whatever he asks you to do, you don't need to be afraid of what he's going to ask you to do. Right. Because whatever he's going to ask you to do is is the road to abundant life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. intimacy with him. Our God is a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. He, You don't need to be afraid of what he's asking you to do. And that's a big part of it is rather than using these, we basically end up using them as the Pharisees did We just change the wording of it, but we use it as a justification to do what seems right right to me or easiest to me. Or what I really want to do. What I really want to do. And I want to say, often for very understandable reasons, like I don't want to make it sound like, well, you just want to get a divorce. And so you're like, you're making a big deal about this. It's not like there have been just heart-wrenching situations that I've walked with people through where you're saying, I don't blame you at all for wanting this. Right. Absolutely. Like, if I were in your situation, I would want that. Like, it's not not that. It's saying, but let's seek together what is the Spirit doing. And that's why I tried to point out that divorce was really, it's more of a mercy. Like, it's, yes, it's going to fracture this, but God sometimes is just in his, he's always merciful. And so there are times where it's like, yeah, this is a load that you can't bear. But... But the parallel between what Paul says about non believers marrying a non-believing spouse and what Jesus says about adultery is that it's it's more about if if you've been abandoned. Right. And so what you would have had in that culture are people who are who are following Jesus and then imagine a a, a woman who whose husband just abandons her. Right. And says, like, I I'm I'm done with you. But she knows divorce is wrong that like god hates divorce and so she feels like okay i still have to stay tethered to him but in that culture yeah. would have meant she has no right path that's, that's forward. a death sentence it's a death sentence right and it's to that that paul says the lord has called you yeah. to peace you're like, not just, enslaved. You're not enslaved and so so those are the kinds of extreme things and and you and i have both walked with couples through that where i i'm sure where one spouse is desiring reconciliation and trying everything but the other spouse is just they're done and yeah. they've left yeah. and they've abandoned and they've like for whatever reason those are the times where i've said you just need to be at peace you they you know they've asked for a divorce they have abandoned they are resisting at every turn they don't want to reconcile at all yeah. the lord has called you to peace but those are situations also where that person is desperately trying, you yep. know, and they want their their focus is I want to pursue Christ in this. But then what has happened because of that the divorce is still painful, mm-hmm. but at least they are they are then receiving that divorce in a way where they know, they have a clear conscience that they have trusted Jesus on and that this is the road that he's on. And that they can then receive that mercy. Yeah. And that they don't, they're not self-justifying. And that's the thing that always makes me the saddest is if somebody says, well, um, yes, I got divorced. It was on biblical ground. I had biblical grounds, which always speaks to self-justification. Right. And even if that is what Jesus would have, in fact, led you towards, like even if that would have been a situation where it would have been, um, where, you know, where your pastors or yeah. uh, would have said, don't, you're not enslaved. Like be, be free from this. They, they, they don't get to receive the, the, the peace of that because they, they um, justified themselves. Like They, right. they grabbed right. that without trusting that they would receive it. So it's like a, like a child who thinks they're not going to get the, the cookie, you know, a cookie that's in the pantry, and so they take it and they eat yeah. it in secret, and they feel justified in it because well, everybody else got a cookie, right? But they aren't going to enjoy that cookie the same way that they would have if their father just gives it to them, you right. know, like if they receive it in his presence and they know, like, okay, right, this was good, and because now there's there's shame associated with right. it that you don't get to release when your excuse
0: is well, but this was okay for me, right? As opposed to, do you cry? Christ is is carrying me through this. Right. Like those those sound, it sounds like it's semantics,
1: right? But it's not in your heart. No. No, because you end up, you know, if you think about the, for some reason I'm thinking about the prodigal son. And imagine if the prodigal son had disguised himself and, you know, done plastic surgery or whatever they had then, you know, and, and made himself, and then lived as a servant in his father's house and made sure that he never... You know, he's just like a guy that comes on the scene, yep. and you know, is a ranch hand or whatever, and just never makes That's eye an contact. Interesting illustration. Yeah, isn't that great? This is, yeah, That's hang good. with me That's here. Good. I'm this with you. Is, i don't I'm know tracking. which J this is right now, <laughs> honestly. There's some confusion. So far, the, I'm tracking. As yeah. long as it stays on the rails. Um, so, and and you're just like, okay, well, but it's okay because I can come in back as this, and so you never actually get to right. be received back as a son yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. You just took what was going to be given to you. And more, like more was going to be given to you in that. And I have seen that for the people who I have known who have walked that hard road towards reconciliation and have done that hard heart work, even for the ones, some of them have now are experiencing a reconciled marriage, which is beautiful. And they would never trade that. And they are amazed at what God, they could testify to what God has done in that. But even the ones who haven't, that heartbreakingly it has ended in divorce they are so much more at peace um than than they would have been had they just early on said like I just can't I just can't do this. Yeah. And that's what I was yeah. hoping in all of this that people would realize that divorce was given because of the hardness of our hearts and as a mercy then to people so that they so they could move on with their lives not as a well these are the reasons that you should get a divorce. Right. Not as a checklist of it, which then also opens up the other side of it that there are other cultural issues today that might also lead down that road. That people think like, well, if it's not one of those two things, but I just I think from a from a, just a understanding scripture standpoint, it's important to realize that's what we talk about when we say don't just create a new law out of right. this. The, the that's what the Pharisees would have done. They would have said, okay all right, so it's not these things, it's these two things now. Right. And now we have to come up with sub laws that go around it. Like, well, which we have seen in the church. Yes. Adultery. But unless the the spouse is repentant, you know, if it was only one affair or if it only happened one time, or if like we add all these clauses to this and, and we end up missing the point, you know, uh, completely again. And the, the point is marriage is a really big deal and it, it points to God's love and it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate the gospel and to experience God's love for us. And it is a very serious thing. And divorce is a very last resort and is a, is really basically a, a just a reconciling with just the fact that we're in a broken world. And just like, it's, it's, it's a truce essentially. Like it's just a, yes, we know that in some cases this is what happens And, and so then we, this is how, this is how we navigate this. Um, So I think, I'm hoping that all of that, um, that all that came through. And I I also want to make sure, one of the things that I wanted to mention in the podcast was um, that you don't, there are people probably listening to this, and there's certainly people in our church who would, if they're just honest about the situation, they would say, I was not following Jesus when I got a divorce. I got divorced ten years ago, twenty years ago, five years ago, and I was not trusting Jesus. I did use this as a checklist. And to that, I just want to make sure that people hear that, well then receive mercy from God now. Yeah. Like it's you don't you don't need to make the mistake of like doubling down on that and then justifying and say, well, but it was okay because of this. Like just Just repent of that and confess that and trust Jesus for what's next. Yeah. And whatever that is, like there's so many complex situations, but what God doesn't do is he doesn't just say, well, you made your bed. So now good luck. I'll see you. I'll see you in heaven. And at that point it'll all be okay. Like he's going to work things together for good. Now Mm. there may be pain in that there may be hardship, but he is, he is able to restore and renew all things. I have seen I've seen couples who have reconciled after 10 or 15 years of divorce. Yeah. Yeah. That's a possibility. It's also a possibility to receive mercy in the moment and then have the biblical counsel and the spirit-led counsel to be be at peace. You're not enslaved to that. You you are forgiven. Yeah. Now move forward in the life that you have and glorify God and honor God today. Like we don't know. There is no black and white. That's why I just plead with people to just like let let us help you in that. Right. Rather than just trying to figure out how do I make this how do I justify this in my own eyes so I can sleep at night, there's a mm. lot better rest that is right. available for you right. than that.
0: That's so good. And and I, I think it's important to to acknowledge what you did in the sermon. I, I love that you paired those two ideas just like Jesus. Um <laughs> like yeah, not wasn't innovative. Um, no. but what I what I thought was so important about that is then it didn't become a sermon about divorce. It was a sermon about what is it that we're actually looking for in this? What are we seeking in this? Why are we asking the questions that we're asking? Why is our heart so prone to go to, but how do I get to do what I really want to do and still kind of look like I'm obeying the Bible. Yes. So how do I get to not keep any of my promises? What's the phrase that I can use or the way that I can do this in a way that I don't actually have to ever keep my word? Because what I want is to not have to keep my word. Like what what is it in our heart that makes us look to scripture as where do I find the loophole? How do I get to do what I actually want to do? Because I don't want to... I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, when I'm doing that, it's because I don't want to glorify God with everything that I do say and think. It's because I want what I want. And and, you know, there's a sliding scale of because my current situation or the person I'm dealing with is objectively evil all the way to I'm just mildly annoyed and I believe that my comfort is primary. Like there's there's a wide scale yeah. of of how that fleshes out. But but The similarity is it ultimately lands on, but I want what I want, so how can I use scripture to make it okay to get what I want? And and what Jesus is constantly pulling us back to, and what Paul is constantly pulling us back to, and Peter is constantly pulling us back to, is, but we're supposed to want Christ. Yes. I'm supposed to want Jesus above all else. I'm supposed to want to look more like him and to understand that I am his ambassador to the world and that the choices that I make reflect Christ to everyone else around me, and I should care about what I'm reflecting, not in a what-do-people-think-of-me sort of way, but in a, like, are people... Is what I'm reflecting making Christ seem as beautiful as he is to the people mm-hmm. around me. And will this decision make reflect m- a more accurate picture of Jesus or will it reflect more of me? Like, am I, is that even crossing my mind about how what my decision or what I want is going to reflect Jesus? Like, that's what they're constantly pulling us back to. So for Jesus to say, like, you, even the way you make promises, you're doing so in a way to make sure you don't have to keep your word. Right. What if instead, when you said yes, you meant yes, and when you said no, you meant no? Like then you don't have to worry about all these rules and loopholes. Just be a person of integrity, and do what you say you're gonna do, or give someone a no as opposed to the manipulative maybe. We'll see. We'll, right. Like that's as a non-committal. That one. Uh,
1: that one works its way out pretty regularly. And oh yeah, which we do that because we think. Yeah, we always think it's it's nicer to say maybe or right. we'll see, but it's it's not. It is actually. way kinder to just say yeah. no. For everybody, right. because now nobody has to worry, no one has to think about that again. You don't have to wonder. Everybody's been in the situation where like, "Well, I don't I don't know if I don't know if right. I can count on this person yet or not." And we've been in the situation where we're still like Oh, I still have to have that conversation that I'm not going to be right. able to do that.
0: I need to I'm not in front of my calendar right now, so I need yeah. to actually check before I commit. I want to see if I'm free that day. Yeah. Like there's a legitimate reason legitimate, to say right. like hey, I'll get right back to you. But that moment where I'm like this is 100% going to be a no. Yeah. I just don't want to tell you to your face and I don't want to tell you right now. So I'm going to drag this out. Yeah. Like that's that's the worst. And, and I'm saying
1: that as somebody who does has done that a lot. Oh yeah. And and I do think Oh man, you said something now I forgot. I need to write these things down better. I try well, you you're right in that, yeah, those that idea of loopholes, like trying to figure out how can I justify what I really want to do. And that still comes back to trusting. Like at the end of the day, I have to say, okay, do I trust that God's road is better and full of life and more joyful? Right. Yes. And when I don't, I kind of I hedge my bets and and we say, well, okay, but if I do that, it, it goes back to the divorce thing. I've had people say, well, I didn't, I, you know, where they've told us after the fact, basically, like we're getting a divorce. And you say, well, why didn't you come and talk to us? Well, I knew what you were going to say. And I'm always thinking, often in those situations, I think, well, I think that's actually evidence that you don't know what I was going to say, first of all. Or it's yeah. evidence that you what you're really saying is I know what God is gonna say right. like it's not about me at all so you just didn't want anybody to tell you what you knew the Holy Spirit was already telling you but in those situations I I still am empathetic towards that yeah because whenever you bring something like what if um what if what if God says no to this thing like what mm-hmm. if I mm-hmm. what if I want to go on this vacation and I am feeling weird about okay but it's gonna cost you know two thousand dollars and is that good stewardship is that and then like even on little things like that where you say well have you prayed about it well i i, I know what god's going to say he's going to say you know <laughs> no cuz god doesn't want me to have any fun right. and it's a waste of money because you know that $2000 could do something else and we forget that our father is extravagantly generous and he's not limited by our bank accounts and so right. i'm thinking wouldn't you rather and th- these are the things i have to tell myself wouldn't you rather go on the vacation knowing that the Lord has blessed that and you felt at peace to go do that or stay home and feel at peace knowing like God has something different and and better for me and I'm going to trust him in that rather than just going and, again, like the cookie, just taking it. And I feel that way. So then with oaths and with being a person of our word, sometimes people – do the maybe thing because they're just they're they're always thinking like well something could come up and if I say yes yeah. and I and anything comes up well then I you know I broke my word and I just I'm afraid of like afraid of that well just trust God in that and like, yeah. he's either going to make a way for you to do that or he's not and but but ultimately saying coming down to this idea of um if if God wants this for me then it's good and if God doesn't want this right. for me, it's not good. And that's like as elementary as I can as I can make it. And so we have to confront that in our heart that whenever we're saying whenever we're saying, "Yeah, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid that I'm afraid of what the pastor is going to say or I'm afraid of what my Christian friend is going to say. Mm. I'm afraid I know what God's going to say. I don't want to know what the Bible is going to say because I I already know what that's going to say. What we're exhibiting is I don't believe that God is good. Right. I don't believe what he, I believe he's withholding things from me that right. I would actually enjoy. I don't trust him.
0: Which is a lose-lose, because Ooh. just as, as you explained it, either he's wanting to say yes, yeah. and then I have the exponentially greater joy of going, look how awesome God is. He said yes, and now we can enjoy this to the absolute fullest. Or he is saying No because he has something different or better, and I'm going to operate in open rebellion against his will, expecting that's where I'm going to find joy and right. rest and satisfaction. Like, it is a lose-lose.
1: Um, and understand yeah. that we're not saying this from like from an ivory tower here. These are things that we both deal with on a daily basis right. of having this is to confront very this. real right now for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a way it's real for me is with rest. Like I constantly am questioning God's goodness of like of how I find rest and doubt what I do with downtime and just thinking that am I, I going to trust God what to do with, or like with the committal of time of saying like I feeling like I'm always crunched for time rather than just saying, you know what? I can go do that. I'm not going to worry like, well, what if I don't have enough time to write my sermon? What if Mm. I don't have enough time? What if something comes up and I can't like that happens with me and just saying and trusting God and just saying, okay, if, if what you have for me this week is zero free time in my calendar, I'm going to trust you in that. Yeah. You know, or, um, Just trusting him that he is going to take care of those things. That doesn't mean you say yes to everything. He says, let your no be no. Like you, James says, let your no be no. Jesus says, you know, either say yes or no. He's not saying you should always say yes, which he does in the retaliation. Like there are times where Jesus says in certain contexts. Yeah, you should always do this. But when you're talking about saying yes or no and committing to things, feel free to say no but isn't it better to say no when you're walking in the spirit and abiding in the spirit and right. that Jesus says like you, when you know the holy spirit is telling you this is not something that you need to right. commit to like you should right. you should absolutely sit at home and watch a movie with your kids
0: well and we operate and so in we operate in in the irrational fear rather than than the legitimate biblical fear so uh, you said earlier like we operate on the well i need to give a maybe Because what if a freak blizzard comes through and I'm not actually able to make it? Okay, so are we making all of our decisions based on the potential of freak blizzards? No, that's weird Uh, and irrational. We don't, in in Texas, you don't make every decision based on, but there might be a tornado that Thursday. So, like... We had a tornado once, right? So that's a very real thing. And we had to cancel our plans that weekend because a tornado destroyed our neighborhood. But no one, no rational adult human being that you respond to and you say, hey, totally excited about being at your wedding this weekend, but a tornado destroyed our house
1: is going to (laughs) go, you liar. You You told me you were going (laughs) to come. Like
0: that person, that like that's on them right I mean, like anyone who's a
1: parent of a small child knows that that is that is a reality again if i, I said promised. adult i yeah, said a right. healthy adult healthy like when
0: adult. my when my kid is is saying you said we were going to have ice cream today and i'm like yes but we're in the er because you broke your arm like yeah. i'm sorry we're not getting ice cream right now they're right. like but you promised you promised well, you shouldn't have jumped off that roof like there's we we just we make the wrong decision and what i end up doing is i communicate to you I am untrustworthy and unreliable., um, that's what I'm communicating to you. where if I said yes, absolutely, I'm I'll, I'll be there. and then something comes up that prevents me from going and I respond to you with, man, I'm so sorry, I really wanted to be there, but this unavoidable thing came up. You go, I, I f- if you do that to me, I feel like, man, that's awesome. Like thanks for expressing your desire to be mm-hmm. here. I'm really sorry that that thing happened to you you are a trustworthy person of your word, and I am thankful for this relationship. So what I end up doing is, out of irrational fears, I communicate, you can't trust me. I am
1: not someone of my word, which is way worse than missing yes. the party. <laughs> it it's is. Weird. It's so much worse, and I don't know what to do. That Because we deal with that in the church all the time. People yeah. are noncommittal. Like, I mean— like, no one should feel chastised because this is or everyone should feel rebuked I guess <laughs> is all of us together right but like you know we deal with that when you're trying to get volunteers for something and there are people who, you know a lot of like the majority of the people I would say kind of go with the, well you know I, I think I, I think I can but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure or whatever and yeah. I get it like again there are legitimate reasons why that's the case like we have people who volunteer for things and they work on a certain mm-hmm. day that that thing goes on they need to see if they can get that yeah. day off um right. those are right otherwise it's what's
0: the intention of your heart in that moment right am i saying this because i need a few more days because i have to run this by my spouse and my boss right
1: totally legit or if you're <laughs> or not if you're not an external processor like if you right. take longer to process and you think okay i've been volunteering for a lot of things i need to stop and i need to look right. at my calendar and i need to look and kind of map out, or you're like me who does not manage time well, and so when I'm in modes of saying yes, I'll say yes to everything and end up with right. 20 hours of things to do in five hours of time, right. because I just didn't even calculate. There is a time to slow down and say, I, I need I need to think through this yeah. and see if I can actually do this. Those are all legitimate things. What we are talking about is is just ask those questions. Why am I saying maybe why am i right. saying yes why am i saying no and just slow down and think about that for for a lot of us it, you know there's the thing of i want to leave but i don't want to commit because what if something better comes along well yeah. you know I, I i just think like most of the time when we do that we end up doing nothing because Correct. something better never does come along right and then if something better does come along well it depends like we, we've done that before where I commit to something and then something that I would rather do comes up as an option. Mm-hmm. And the my litmus test is if I explained this opportunity to this other person, would they encourage me to go hmm. or would they not? Hmm. And that's not bulletproof. Yeah. But for example, if you and I, if you said, hey, can we grab lunch? And I say, sure, yeah, I'd love to do that. I don't have anything on my calendar. I'd love to do that. And then... Giannis Antetokounmpo and Aaron Rodgers, and you know, so I'm just doing Milwaukee, like Green Bay <laughs> stuff. But like, if Michael Jordan and uh, said, like, "Hey, I'm I'm cruising through town and I want to <laughs> grab lunch," well, that's something I would say to you, dude. Michael Jordan asked if I could grab lunch, right? And you would say, "You should do you that. You should do that. That is a really rare yeah. opportunity. We can grab lunch tomorrow." Versus, like, ah, I feel like playing video games. Like, what, what is it that, you know, or there's a there's a Rocket League tournament. I'm using my channeling my inner teenager here. There, like, the the reality is, is that when we get when we get wrapped up in, um, all of these things are about serving myself. Like, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for ways that I can control things and manipulate things so that ultimately what I'm trying to do is protect myself mm-hmm. from ever having to do anything that I don't want to do in the moment or I don't <laughs> want to. So whether it's as serious as a marriage that I want to I wanna leave my options open because what if I don't want to stay married to this person or what if I, mm. I want to have a way to get out of this all the way to oaths and remembering that that's what Jesus is talking about. People who divorced over things like burnt food because you always have an out. As long as you yeah. give the certificate, you've got an out. Yeah. As long as you don't swear toward Jerusalem and you only swear by Jerusalem, you have an out. Dude, that one was bonkers. Isn't that crazy? crazy? Like, example. I didn't know that one. I was like reading that, and going, "Is this real?" And you know, looking at other places, like, "This is, this is genuinely, this is part of the deal." And all of it is, it's, it's really. I think it comes down to so much of like, I, I just don't ever want to. Do anything I don't want to do because I trust that whatever I want to do in any given moment is the best thing, yeah. and that is completely against who God is, um, and and trusting that God is actually the one who knows what's good for us and what's what's better for us, yeah. and we can't turn it then into a law. And I I tried to point that out. This was actually so behind the curtain I and mean, everything. This was not in in my notes or whatever. But the whole, um, you know, persuasive. Thing, like telling stories hmm. you know exaggerating yeah. stories yeah. or telling only part of it um, or you know the humor thing all those really were, in, were in those but what wasn't in there and what all of a sudden like dawned on me is yeah the law way would be to say okay so therefore don't ever tell stories because it's possible you will exaggerate something yeah so Don't ever tell it with any kind of emotion or any kind of like voice inflection because it might exaggerate what's actually going on. Well, that's nonsense. Yeah. Like there are good storytellers. And I always want to tell good storytellers like you're a good storyteller. You don't have to exaggerate any of the details. Just tell the story. God's given you a gift to tell stories. We have people who are very persuasive. No one's saying you shouldn't debate or shouldn't be persuasive. Paul is persuasive at times. He uses arguments and is persuasive. Just do it in a way that's Christ honoring. And um, in the same way with humor. And I think what we get into trouble with is when we want to then turn that kind of thing into a law. And so then we say, like, well then you shouldn't you shouldn't touch any of those things. And again, that's what the Pharisees did. Like, so if it's wrong to use humor to like tear people down or to make people feel unsafe or anything like that, well then just don't, it's better to just not use any humor at all. Yeah. Or if it's wrong to exaggerate a story, it's better just to not tell any stories. Or if you do, don't give any emotion attached to it, just state the facts of the story. And that would rob so much of like so much joy in of our lives. You look like you're deep in thought on that.
0: I am, I'm I'm thinking about it because the, the fact that it isn't a law, Means like I might come to the conclusion, I don't think I can try to be funny because every time I do, I say something mean. Like I just evidently can't control myself. Yeah. So I just, I guess I can't, I should not be the dude who cracks jokes in the meeting. Yeah. Like I might come to that conclusion, not because the law is don't ever make jokes, not because, you know, like the Pharisees, we've, we fence the Torah and go so that we don't commit this sin we come up with this new law and then that becomes the law so now not making jokes is the law like that's true but uh but i might come to the conclusion that i can't tell stories like until, until i get this figured out because for whatever reason i i am incapable of telling a story without untruthful exaggeration like what on earth uh, this is why I can't have nice things, right? Like so, it's well, which like,
1: often happens if you're not a good storyteller, you have to exaggerate right. the details because you're not because getting I'm the response, not, right? Exactly, because, because you're not a not good storyteller. So, yeah. so don't be the guy if, who tries to tell a
0: story every time, though. right? Like,
1: if you're listening to a stand-up comedian who their style is storytelling, the stories they're actually telling are not, yes, they're they're so normal, they're right. so boring. I mean, Seinfeld's an entire show on nothing, but it's right. the way it's told. Right. that makes it funny. It's not actually, you know...
0: We commit an entire episode to waiting for a name to be called right. at a restaurant. Yeah. And we can, like, that's as mundane as it gets, but they're a good storyteller. Like, maybe maybe that's just not me, and so yeah. I need to decide I don't do that, but not because that's a law, and I certainly don't hold others to that standard as though that were the more holy approach. It's 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 saying, like, does... Is this helping me and others love God more and is this me demonstrating that I love others at least as much as I love myself? Right? Like Jesus narrowed it down and gave us the filter right. and said like what like everything else basically flows out of is this stirring my affections for God? Is this demonstrating God's love to others? If it isn't, well it's probably not the best plan. If it is, then like amen and 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 let's go for it. And and that's going to you know, there's a there's a gray area in that where that's some of those things are gonna look different for you than it is for me. Right. But we want to like we like the control of but law is law and if it's law for me, then it's gotta be law for you too. And what I really wanna do is this other thing, so if I can figure out the loophole in the law, then I can know how to actually do the thing that I want without breaking the law and it just it becomes very controlled. Mm-hmm. And, and self justifying versus the much more nebulous, but much more biblical. Is this stirring my heart for Christ? Is this demonstrating my trust in Him in all things that His way is better? And is this demonstrating more love to others than it is
1: to me? And it's, and it's so much more stressful like to live like that where you're trying to control all of those things. You alluded to it that is. earlier, but it's, it's like the old adage that you tell kids about telling the truth, like telling the truth is way less stressful because right. you don't have to keep straight what you said, you know, what, <laughs> you what, what <laughs> you version to you told to whom or whatever. And in a very similar way with both of these things um, and, and, and then all the things that are applied, the principles that are applied out um, to, to other areas of life, it's just so much less stressful to, to not to let Christ be your justifier and to, to trust not, the one who yeah. is sovereign over everything. Yeah, it's just so much less stressful, Amen. and to, to not have to manipulate things or justify yourself or whatever because we don't even buy it. Like the the spirit in us will testify to like you, right? Like we won't be able to justify those things um, forever. It's a lot of work to keep that up. Where you, it just wears so wears on our soul. It does. It's just so much freedom is actually and just trusting and being quick to confess and quick to and to to trust God in in whatever road he's asking you to go down whether it's you know whether it's as serious and painful as just as difficulties in marriage and to to trust him in that it's so much freer to just follow him day by day with a community of people who love you and appoint to point you to Jesus the same way it goes with with you know saying yes or no you know if you're asked to commit to something to just trust the spirit in that and say okay I want I want God to be the manager of my time and you know what I feel in my spirit that this I should be saying yes so I'm just going to say yes and then I'm going to trust God that he's going to he's going to make that happen or I'm going to say no and I'm going to be at peace with that and um and and to speak straightforward and then whether it's using humor or persuasion or whatever I just I love like you said it's it's different there's so many things that are different for different people. Um that happens a lot by the way in preaching and when I when I teach at seminary and talk to young preachers there's always this pressure of mimicking other preachers. That's good news, bad yeah. news. We have access to so many different yeah. preachers yeah. because of the internet. But that's bad news too because that's a million more people that I can compare myself to. Right. And I had um. somebody one time say, you know what? I just had to learn I don't use humor in sermons. Mm-hmm. Not because they thought humor in sermons was wrong at all, but yeah. they just realized it did not... If they didn't get a laugh, it kind of would spiral them. Mm. And if they did get a laugh, it would distract them. Mm. And the person was actually a funny person. Like yeah. So it was one of those things where... like, it, So in person, they just learned in personal conversations i can be funny but in preaching that's just not yeah. for me and but like i was at it from the other end where the people that i was following were more anti-humor and so for a while in my preaching i try i just was like no this mm-hmm. is serious business i should not ever use humor um and i realized like that's that's not it i need to i need to be mindful of like well this is how i've been wired but then I want to use it in a specific way. I don't, yeah. it's not, I'm, I'm not, I don't use humor just to get a laugh. Like that's never, you know, if I'm hanging out with friends and we're sitting around or whatever, I might tell a story to get a laugh. Yeah. But when I'm preaching, I don't tell stories to get a laugh. I tell, if I do use any humor and if it actually works, <laughs> it's meant, it's meant to open, like to soften people and yeah. to make people feel at ease to get them to think sometimes it's to get people to think about a particular situation. That's a hard situation. And so if you can add a little levity to it, it can make it a little more palatable to, to just to look at it so we can laugh at ourselves or whatever. Um, but it's never, um, it's never designed now in my flesh who knows like there are times I'm sure, but, but the, the heart of it is never to belittle anybody or mock anything. It's, it's in a, it's a different way, but you're right. We have to know, know ourselves in that and then apply um, these principles of like don't look for ways to justify yourself don't look for loopholes to um, to try to manipulate things or people manipulate situations or people to ultimately serve yourself and to to keep your options open so whatever at all costs you get to do whatever you want to do all the time that's actually a really stressful way to live and it's not the freedom and the abundant life that is offered in Christ. Amen. So it's been a long
0: time since we've gotten to do this, and we could probably keep talking for the rest of the afternoon. Are
1: you saying but we should In
0: service to our listeners. You want to land this plane? Me? Yeah, man.
1: This is where you switched roles completely. Well, I know. You know. I'm, I'm not you the plane off. lander anymore. All right. Well, as Robbie would say, uh, if you want to, what do you say? <laughs> what is- <laughs> we do a big point in the message is a big point we want to make here which is this is not we were not meant to live this life alone. Amen. You're not meant to navigate this. I'm not meant none of us are meant to navigate this the Christian life by just listening to a sermon and then processing it in our own mind and then and and then just trying to live that out. We were designed for community. Um, to process these things together, to get help, to have people praying for you. So whatever situation you're in, um, we would love, we want to walk with you. We want to connect you with people. And like I said, on Sunday, what do you have to lose? So whatever, whatever it is, Jesus is trustworthy. His way is trustworthy. And we want to help you figure out how to walk in that and abide in him. So you can email us at connect at faithpestigo.com or uh, connect with us on a Sunday or give us a call, but let us let us walk with you in this. And until next time, as the great Robbie Helene once said, grace and peace.